to talk about believing the unseen. The Bible said, now faith is the subject of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. So when we talk about the things that are not seen, we're talking about the spiritual realm. There's a spiritual realm that is unseen, but it's more real than this natural realm. I came across this video uh, on YouTube. A gentleman had it on his page and he was asking the question, you know, uh, why don't they raise the dead? And he's got a picture of these uh, gentlemen. I believe they're they may be uh, spiritual leaders of some sort. I don't know all of their titles. Marcus Rogers, I know he's a YouTube uh, uh, preacher. Uh, the others, I don't know. But anyway, this gentleman had their photographs and he's asking the question, you know, why don't they raise the dead? Uh, we know that Jesus raised the dead in the Bible. Uh there are instances where the dead have been raised, even now in, in, in our um, society. It doesn't happen a lot, at least not to the point where we hear about it. Uh, everybody's got a camera now, but uh, everybody's not on social media and broadcasting everything that's done, you know, because some people just really don't care about all of that. They just care about doing the work of the Lord. And I'm not saying that people on camera you know, are not doing the work of the Lord, but some people are just, just not caught up into that. So anyway, I want to discuss this question. Why is the dead not being raised in, in many uh, of the lives of the believers? We were going to Matthew 13 chapter 54 verse through 58 verse. And it starts out by saying, and coming into his own country, talking about Jesus, he taught them in their synagogue in so much that they were astonished and said, whence has this man, this wisdom and these mighty works? So they're saying, who is this guy? And I mean, where is he coming from? When did he get this? Is not this the carpenter's son? Is not this his mother called Mary and his brother and James, Joseph and Simon and Judas? In other words, we know this dude. We went to school with him. We grew up with him. I know his family. I hung out at his house. You know, so they're bringing the familiarity of, of knowing Jesus and, and maybe watching him grow up or, or maybe even intimately knowing his family as a reason to why he shouldn't be doing what he's doing, which is astonishing the priests in the synagogue. And they, they said, are they not all with us? Weren't they, weren't they with us? Didn't, didn't they come to church with us? Uh, uh, didn't we see them around town, about town in the market? They're one of us. So isn't this guy one of us? So when, when, when did he get this? Whence then has this man all these things? And they were offended in him. But Jesus said unto them, A prophet is not without honor, save in his own country and in his own house. There are times when your family members will not receive the gospel from you simply because you're a family member. They won't accept it because they choose to hide behind the fact that you're familiar with them, that you grew up with them, that you all ate at the same table in the morning. They, they refuse to accept the fact that God will use you and you're somebody that, that grew up with them 
And a lot of times the issue is, you know, who are they supposed to be? Remember when Joseph told his brothers about his dream, about his different color coat and how, you know, the sheaves bowed down to him. And when he would show up, his brothers didn't like him all of a sudden. They were jealous of him and they said, here comes this dreamer. In other words, who does he think he is? You know, he's just a little ready, uh, Joseph. So they won't allow you to be who God have called you to be simply because they want to keep you being who they say you are. So that happens a lot of times. And Jesus is saying specifically here and in his own house, not just in his own country, but even in his own home. Sometimes in your own home, you're not respected as a man or a woman of God simply because it's your family. And he did not many mighty works there because of their unbelief. Not because he couldn't, but because of their unbelief. And Mark 9, chapter 31st verse says, For he taught his disciples and said unto them, The Son of Man is delivered up into the hands of men and they shall kill him. And when he's killed after three days, he shall rise again. And they did not believe his words. So here we have again, Jesus is telling his disciples what is to come. He's letting them know what's coming around the corner, what's coming in the future. He's prophesying to them, letting them know they're going to kill me. And the Bible says they did not believe his words. Here they are walking with a man, seeing him, uh, uh, perform miracles, seeing him heal, and even seeing all of that. Once he told them what was going to happen, they refused to believe it. Their belief was still in the natural laws. We readily accept that to the, you know, the dead is, is not going to rise. We readily accept uh, uh, the fact that they can't be raised up, even though the spiritual law in heaven says they can't. We saw these two laws meet in the conversation between Jesus and, and uh, the sister of Lazarus. Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. Now Mary believed he could raise him because they sent for him when it happened. So it wasn't that they didn't believe he could do it. But she mentioned another law stating by the time Jesus arrived because he didn't come immediately when they called him. He waited. At the time Jesus arrived that her brother stank from decomposition that takes, you know, place when you naturally, it takes place naturally when you die. So Jesus proved that the spiritual laws not only trump natural laws, but scientific laws as well. Because decomposition was a scientific law. We know that happens in the course of death or in the process of death. And so she was bringing that up to say, you know, had you got here a little sooner, then maybe we would have had a chance. But now that this is happening scientifically, it, there's no chance. But Jesus still raised him from the dead. And Jesus prayed and asked God. He said, Father, I know that you'll do this. But for the sake of these standing here, that they may believe, I ask that you do this. So, again, we see it's an issue of belief here. So, we choose to dismiss spiritual laws because we live in a natural world. But there are laws in the spirit realm that are more real than natural. Now, we're not to ignore natural laws. Obviously, we got laws of gravity and things of that nature. You're not going to go 
fly off a cliff just because you believe you can fly. We're not talking about that. But we're talking about belief in God to defy spirit of the natural laws whenever he chooses to do it. But there are laws in the spirit realm that are more real than the natural. Uh, believing in the unseen is something we merely, uh, you know, us mere mortals, we struggle with that. Faith is believing without sin. It is believing in spiritual laws as well as natural laws. So when Jesus spoke, his words were, were and are spiritual laws. He said, he that believe on me is the scriptures. Scriptures being spiritual law. Have said, and is derived from spiritual realm, spiritual law in heaven. When we say, you know, what you bound on earth should be bound in heaven. So we're talking about two different places, two different laws operating. We cannot believe God and disbelieve his word. We cannot believe the word of God and dismiss Jesus. He is the manifested word of God. There are many people that say they believe in Jesus and they say he was a prophet, but they do not account him to be the son of God. So then they dismiss the word of God because the Bible said in the beginning was the word. He is the manifested word. So if he's the manifested word and you don't believe in him, then you don't believe in the word of God. So in Mark 16th chapter 8 verse through 19th it says and they went and fled from the tomb for trembling and astonishment had come upon them. This is when they went back to the tomb after Jesus had been crucified. And they went back to anoint his body which was a traditional thing that they did for the dead. And the Bible said when they saw that he wasn't there they, they ran. They fled because they saw the tomb was open. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. So they saw this, and they didn't say anything. They didn't know what to make of it. They may have thought somebody stole them. They may have thought, you know, whatever they thought. But they did not think that he was raised like he said he would be. And then however many of them it was, even, you know, ready to see the miracle, uh, like the dead being raised, you know, how many of us are, are ready to see a miracle like that think about it we say we want to see that but what would be our reaction if we did would we almost kill ourselves trying to get out of there from fear fear would probably grip us like it did these people that made them take off running it would probably be the same thing fear would grip us and, and we would just lose it just like they did. Now the Bible says, now when he was risen early on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary. So once Jesus was raised from the dead, he, he made himself seen to different ones. First it was Mary Magdalene, from whom he had cast out seven demons. She went and told them that had been with him as they mourned and wept. So they were still mourning and they were still crying, uh, uh, um, you know, over the fact that he was crucified and that he was killed. And they, when they heard that he was alive and had been seen of her, disbelieved. So here we have disbelief again. The Bible says he was manifest in another form after that to two of them as they walked into the country. And they told it to the rest and they didn't believe either.
Then he showed up as the eleven were eating, and he upbraided them, meaning he 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 had some some firm words for them. He kind of went off on them because, you know, it, he upbraided them with their unbelief and hardness of heart. Because an unbelieving heart is a hard heart. The thing that got Pharaoh in trouble was he kept hardening his heart. When he kept hardening his heart because of unbelief, he got in trouble. Hebrews third chapter 12 verse and this is the NIV version says see to it brothers and sisters that none of you has a sinful unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God when you disbelieve God your heart turns from him you turn your heart from God when you disbelieve him in and then when Jesus spoke his words were lost when he spoke his words were lost spiritual laws he said he that believe on me as the scripture has said we cannot believe god and disbelieve his word i'm gonna say that again we cannot believe god and disbelieve his word when jesus spoke his words were lost it made it so he said he that believe on me as the scripture has said out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water now when jesus spoke and his words were law. He said, he that believe. So God, um, the, the Hebrew Bible, I'm going to read that verse again. And I'm going to read it in a different version. The Hebrew Bible from the ancient Eastern text. Which is closer to the translations to the uh, Aramaic language. Which is what the language was that Jesus spoke. And he says, take heed therefore, my brethren. Lest perhaps there is a man among you who has an evil heart. And is not a believer. And you will be cut off from the living God. So unbelief cuts us off from God. It separates us from God. Naturally it separates us from God. And spiritually it separates us from God. Because unbelievers will not go to heaven. They will be separated from God for eternity. So naturally in this life you'll be separated from God. And also in, in, in the life to come, in your eternity, when you leave your body, you will be separated from God for eternity because of unbelief. So as you can see, unbelief in the eyes of God is seen as evil and will cause separation from God. Some, not all of the people Jesus revealed himself to or uh, told what they saw. How many of us experience the anointing of God or the manifestation of the Holy Spirit working in an individual and refuse to tell anybody what we saw? How many times do we see someone anointed or, or that God have, have placed his anointing upon, used to the glory of God, and then we try to ignore the fact that it even happened? His own mother, Jesus' own mother, refused to tell anybody what she saw. She was one of the people that went to the tomb. Mark 16 and the uh, 16th chapter and the first verse says, Along with Magd Mary Magdalene was Mary the mother of James, which was Jesus' brother, and Salome, which was another woman. Afterwards, he appeared to Mary Magdalene alone, and she believed and told what she had seen. Now, mom didn't tell anybody, but Mary Magdalene 
she told it. And a lot of times, people who who are not church people are quicker to tell the, the glory of God than church people are. I don't know, but it happens. We're seeing it happen in the Bible, and we see it happen every day. Mary Magdalene had seven demons cast out of her. So we know that she was probably not living holy at one point in her life. But once she became saved, she had no problem believing Jesus and believing what she saw and telling somebody what she saw. Whereas we have all the disciples that were chosen by him, that walked with him, uh, that watched him, that he taught, and they refused to say anything to anybody or believe what was said as far as him being seen or being raised from the dead. The Bible says that they that come to God must first believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them who diligently seek him. We say with our mouths that we believe in God, but our actions are contrary to what we speak. Many teach against the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues because they have not received him and they have not received this gift from God that Jesus declared is to be given to them, which means all, all who believe, not because the Holy Spirit is not a reality, but because the just, they just don't believe it. Doubt is the demise of faith. The Bible talks a lot about uh, uh, not doubting and how Abraham didn't didn't waver in faith and, and different ones because doubt, it, it kills faith. It kills it. So how many times have we witnessed the power of God on someone's life? Or God used someone to deliver, lay hands, prophesied to us, uh, and, and we knew it was God. And walked away and act like we didn't we did it ourselves without any help. Or acted like we were never bound by the devil in the first place. Or we refused to tell anyone because that person was someone we knew or grew up with or hung out with. Or uh, you know, how many of you have seen a leader attempt to water down or diminish a move of God simply because God used someone without a title? In this case, it is the leader that spreads doubt to save face because his own pride will not give him give God the glory for using someone he or she felt God should not be using. And that's, that happens a lot in the church. You get people that become intimidated because God uses somebody that nobody expects him to use. And then because that happens and they have an image to keep up, they have pride they begin to talk against what God have done. Really, they're talking against God, and they don't know that. Some of them may know it, but most of them don't. They're really not talking against that person. They're really talking against God because God used that person, and they didn't like it. There are so many so-called pastors blocking the blessings of their congregation because they walk in pride of a title or image. They're blocking the blessings of their people because nobody else can teach or preach except them or their family members or their wife. God can't send somebody in there to deliver a word, a word that that congregation may need. 
He can't send a prophet in there. And we know prophets a lot of times get in trouble simply because when they go in, they go in cleaning house. True prophets go in cleaning house. True prophets go in declaring the word of God and it ain't always nice. So because of that, they're not always readily received. And a lot of times they're despised. They're not wanted. People don't want to hear what they got to say. So when 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 God is trying to do something in a body, many times you have the leader withstanding what God want to do simply because he's arrogant and proud and he's protecting his title. They are so arrogant and they attempt to tell God who he can or cannot use. The Bible says in Mark chapter 13, and they were offended in him, talking about Jesus. They dishonored him because they knew him. They watched him grow up, knew his siblings and his parents. I read it where they talked about it. Isn't this uh, Mary's son? Isn't this, you know what I mean? Joseph's uh, uh, son. Their attitude was so, who does he think he is? He definitely will get no recognition from us. Instead of being thankful and grateful, they were arrogant and proud, demanding to know how or where his authority and power came from. Whence cometh he with, with all these things? Where, where he coming from with all this? Where he get all this from? Jesus ex, uh, plainly explained why we don't see many miracles today. The Bible says, and he did not many mighty works there, being in his own town where he grew up, where everyone was familiar with him, upbringing and, and, you know, family members. And because they're, they're unbelief, you know, the enemy knew he could stop. He couldn't stop Jesus from being who he is. So he used the mind of the people. Jesus could help to block them from receiving that help. It's not because God can't do what his word says. It's not that Jesus only meant for the disciples he was talking to in that time to manifest these signs. It's not because there are no real saved men or women of God left. It's not because these mighty works only happened back then and are meant to happen and are not meant to happen now. It's not because the devil has more power than God. It is because so many don't believe. Therefore, there is no expectation of signs and wonders to manifest. The enemy used doubt and pride to deceive Eve into dis disobeying God. And he still uses the same deception to deceive us from disobeying God, from obeying God too. The same deception to deceive us from obeying God. So when God says pray that they be raised from the dead or pray they be healed or pray, be, you know, that they be delivered from demonic oppression... Doubt and fear says they're going to think you crazy. Do you want everyone to laugh at you? God didn't really tell you to do that. You're just trying to do too much. What if it don't work? Doubt and pride paralyzes faith. There's no desire for things of the spirit now. We have become content with distractions and excuses. Justified sin and self-absorbed pride. Our unbelief does not stop God from being God or stop his ability to bless us or perform miracles in our lives. Our unbelief 
simply stops our ability to receive those blessings and miracles promised to us in his word. An unbelieving heart is a closed heart that is not receptive or open to receive. So we find another answer to the question of why we don't see many mighty works today in the book of James. First chapter six through seven verse that says, but when you ask, that means when you pray, you must believe and not doubt because the one who doubts is like the wave of a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. Verses seven says that person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. This is why we pray and don't receive or see what we have prayed for manifest. Many have allowed the strong spirit of delusion that is in the land to captivate their thoughts. This spirit has deceived many to believe that God cannot save or deliver his people. That no one can really live holy and set apart from sin. We have the social media is flooded with people with sayings and 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 uh posts talking about you know how all have sinned and nobody's perfect and anything to to make us not accountable for sin. So, you know, nobody can live holy uh, or separated or or set apart from sin, that the power of God is not really real, that some people are just very disciplined and others are not, or, or, you know, everyone is pretending. And the word of God that, that says to us, you know, come out from among them and be ye separate, separate from what? Separate from sin. A tree is identified by its fruit, and so is every person that professes to walk with Jesus. When Peter's speech gave him away, the way he talked, the woman said, your speech gives you away. You sound like him. You talk like him. Because he sounded like Jesus when he spoke, he changed his language. He changed it to the opposite of what Jesus spoke. And then he began to use foul language, which Jesus wouldn't use. And that was to disassociate himself from Jesus. So people cussing folks out, that's not the language of Jesus. Jesus didn't talk like that. And Peter used that language here to disassociate himself. So when we use that language, we disassociate ourselves, whether we want to believe it or not, whether we want to accept it or not. We disassociate ourselves from Jesus because that's not how he taught. We're, we're to do and, and, and be the way he was or is. So God is calling us to awaken from the trance of delusion and unbelief to a life of unwavering faith. Let this man be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. And if the mind of Christ is in you, You're going to talk like him. You're going to live like him. You're going to pray like him. You're going to walk like him. And that's to everyone that says that they are a believer. If the mind of Christ is in you, you will think the way Christ thinks in obedience to the Father. The mind of Christ believes the word of God no matter what, even unto death. He trusted God and believed God even unto death, all the way to the cross. 
this will be the mindset of the church that ushers in Christ's second coming. The mindset of the church that ushers in Christ's second coming. These believers are going to believe the word of God. They're not going to be wavering. They're not going to be doubting. They're not going to be saying, well, I don't know. I mean, maybe. Not going to be afraid to obey God. Not going to be afraid to step out on faith and, and do what God says do. And, and, and not going to be afraid of the unseen. Not going to believe the natural laws more so than spiritual laws. going to be able to work the works of Jesus going to be able to do mighty works and miracles Jesus said that to as many as believed he gave them power to become the sons of God this church with the mind of Christ is going to become the sons of God they're going to be the sons of God and when I say sons I don't just mean male but I mean sons of God male female We'll all be, we're all sons of God. And I'm not talking about our physical anatomy and I'm not talking no trans stuff and none of that. So don't misconstrue what I'm saying. The Bible calls us sons of God spiritually. And that's through Jesus Christ. But we are still men and women. So I wanted to share that because... The deception is is real. Uh, you know we're we're being tricked into not believing our very own eyes, even what we're looking at. And a lot of what we're looking at is deceptive. It's not true. It's not real. And the only way we're going to be able to decipher in this day and time is by the Spirit of God having the mind of Christ. So I pray that we will humble ourselves. And go before God. And I want to pray real, real fast uh, uh, that that our eyes become open. So, Father God, we want to thank you for this day. Father, I thank you for those that are in the sound of my voice, God. You know who you want to hear this message, God. And I ask that you will allow it to help them. Now, Father, I ask that you will forgive us, first of all, for our unbelief, God. For our hard hearts, God. For turning our hearts away from you. Lord, we ask that you will forgive us, God. Cleanse us and help us. Creating us a clean heart and renewing us a right spirit. God, we ask that you will open our eyes, open our spiritual eyes, unstop our deaf ears, God, so that we may hear what the Spirit says, God, to the church, that we may believe the unseen, that we may believe, God, your word, take you at your word, regardless to what we see in the natural, that our faith, God, will be made hallelujah, that our faith, God, will be made whole. God, I, the, the Bible says, that they that worship you must worship you in spirit and in truth, God. We ask that you will help us. Help us to be truthful, Lord. Help us to, to remove deception in the name of Jesus, God. The, the atmosphere of deception, the cloud of deception, God. The deception that the enemy have brought, God, to make everything want to be something that is not the deception to make everything look like what it's not god we ask that you would remove it in the name of jesus push back darkness oh god in the name of jesus for your glory god so that we may win the souls of men and women god that your church may go forth god and usher in your son in his second coming god 
In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. So I want to thank you for listening. And God bless you. And have a pleasant weekend. Or, or, or.